Welcome to the Innovating the Customer Experience podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with JD Power, and with me today are Mark Miller with JD Power, Diane Chen, and Caleb Hutchinson with Versatile. So, Mark, Diane, Caleb, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here, Mike. Thank you, Brent. Yeah, thank you. Hey, our topic for today is about personalization. And the business case for personalization is pretty clear. Uh, whether you're looking at conversion rates, uh, upsell, cross-sell, overall revenue, customer loyalty, ROI, uh, everything is pretty high. And we can even target a future podcast uh, around the business case for personalization. Uh, so let's just set that out to the side for a second and uh, dive into the topic. Uh, so let's start with a definition. Uh, how do we define personalization? What do we mean by that? So Diane, do you want to you want to take that one? Yes, uh, personalization. It is a personalized personalized marketing. It's also as known as one to one marketing or individual marketing. Uh, it's a marketing strategy by which the companies leverage data analysis and digital technology to deliver uh, individualized messages. Uh, and product offerings to current or pro, uh, pro prospective customers. So that the customer, uh, your one-to-one marketing, it is very in the, uh, personalized, it's also emotional, um, so that makes your consumer feel like the companies know them uh, in every engagement of their digital engagements in their journeys. Okay, so let's, let's build on that idea and, and just kind of answer this question. Do consumers actually want personalization? It's an interesting question, Mike. Um, it really depends on the age groups. Uh, for example, millennials and Gen Z are digital natives uh, who grown up expecting tailored content and recommendations. So if you're not offering, if the company is not offering personalized experiences, companies are at risk of losing these valuable customers. Uh, for example, most recent four uh, articles in August that they list out a survey from another company, 80% um, of consumers are more likely to do business with a company that if it offers uh, personalized experiences, um, they, they prefer that, they like that. And uh, there is a disconnect between what consumers want and what companies are delivering. Therefore, this gap presents a huge opportunity for businesses that are willing to invest in personalization. So what drives that, though, is because there are more demand on personalization, simply because the Gen, Gen Z and millennials market are growing in that generation. Personalizations um, drive loyalty and brands and customer uh, lifetime value, which means that it could boost the engagement and conversion rates, which also means growth. Yeah, I, and we've seen a lot of data that's pretty similar to what you're talking about in terms of just real proof that consumers want personalization. And it, it, and when you dig into it, double click on personalization, there's actually some, some uh, psychology research that backs this up and, and perhaps we can cover that in another you know, future podcast. So, Look, we've got a business case. We've talked about the definition. We've uh, validated the consumers want personalization. Uh, what kind of challenges are we seeing out there uh, that uh, organizations have with uh, actually delivering personalization? Caleb, maybe we can start with you on this one. Yeah. So, 
some of the challenges that they're facing, what I've seen the first one is they don't know where to start. A lot of businesses look at themselves and say, I'm not Amazon, who is extremely techy. Uh, they might be a more traditional industry. And so they think that that ability to be personalized is outside of reach, when in fact there is a lot of things that people can do and there's a lot of technology out there that is well within the reach of even small businesses. And so first things first is you need to have someone who knows and has kind of done some of those personalization and the tools. Some other challenges that you run into is once you have that data and that information, what do you do with it? A lot of times people will see and be inundated with this fire hose of information. And the question is, well, how do we, how do we make decisions based off of this? How do we personalize an email when we know that they have a three-car garage instead of a two-car garage? Um, and so there's, there's so much information that can exist at times that it becomes difficult to make decisions. Another thing that we see is that when you get inundated with the information, it then becomes difficult to have timely decision making. And so these, these, these pieces of information for personalization oftentimes will age and they don't age well. So you'll, you'll have information that you've received recently. Someone visited your website and you want to market to them. If you don't act on that, oftentimes that information no longer becomes valuable. And so in the decision-making process, if it's not quick enough, you, you lose these uh, really prime opportunities to have these personalized messages, whether it's ads, emails, um, or it's just a personalized experience on a website. Okay, so so personalization, there's a lot of uh, opportunity here, but also sounds like it can be pretty challenging. Uh, do we have any examples of brands that are doing personalization really well? Yeah, so there, there are a number of different brands out there. Um, what I wanted to bring up, so there's a brand called Ruby Love. They're an e-commerce brand. Um, they specifically are targeting women. And they, they, they started off with not having any um, really personalization. And this was a personal client of, of mine. And what happened was they were sending out emails and they weren't they were just kind of the monthly emails that everyone gets from their favorite e-commerce um, company. And so we looked at their site and we said, you guys have so much rich information. You have so many loyal customers and their customers truly were just extremely loyal. Um, let's use this. When they, when they visit your, your cart and they add something to cart or they're browsing a product and they don't purchase, we should let them know maybe they forgot it. They're so loyal. That, we're sure that they're forgetting on, on occasions to actually make the purchase. And so that's what we pitched to them. We had to set up the technology and make sure that all of the different triggers on their website were set. But once we did that, we were able to launch a campaign where when they would visit the site, add to their cart, but not purchase, that all we did was sent them a reminder email saying, hey, did you forget to buy this? That was it. No, no follow-up emails, just a very simple, um, sleek email. And in doing that, their revenue was, is, was in a couple thousand. And within a three-month period, they were making $250,000 just off of that email campaign. A very simple, hey, John, Jane, we saw that you added this to cart and you never purchased it. Did you still want to do that? That's a great example, Caleb. 
Uh, Diane, do we have any, any other brands that we, uh, that we think are doing personalization well? Yes, L'Oreal um, was a case when I was at Sitecore. Um, L'Oreal had a, a long-term journey of personalization because under L'Oreal umbrella, they own over 40 brands globally. So their journey was laid out um, at very early stage of different phases from in the maturity model. Uh, for example, first three years, they spent on more infrastructure um, consolidating platforms where they had over 60 platforms at the time. And then they gradually consolidated into one for um, some of the brands depend on the portfolio. And um, so for three years, three years was consolidating the brands. And then the following on years till now is when it start executing digital personalization um, marketing, CMS. So real-time one-to-one marketing and real-time one-to-one um, analysis. They do have a team of in-house and external team is hybrid that's working with them very closely. Um, so they're, they are getting more accurate data and more measurable data which helped them now uh, incorporating actually AI technology in the last two years uh, or so is to do much more predictable, predictive content for their consumers. So their consumers are not really buying just L'Oreal brand, they can do cross sale of other brand portfolios. So this is a great success for L'Oreal um, to move on to digital personalization that is in you know journey um, and long journey to come and a lot of commitment uh, in their uh, leadership and also their cross-discipline uh, teams collaboration and organizational alignment with this goal. Yeah, it, so Diane, it sounds like they're really committed to it. Uh, you know, without giving anything away that's proprietary, what, what kind of results are they seeing? Is this working? It's working in their cost savings as their uh, leadership is enjoying seeing <laughs> uh, long-term cost saving in marketing, uh, which I cannot say the number of percentage they are saving, but they are really benefiting this value of cost saving and increased brand awareness and loyalty to their brands and brand portfolios. Okay, so those are some of the KPIs they're looking at, interesting. Um, so look, so kind of looking ahead now, uh, where are we going with personalization? What does the future look like? The future looks like, um, according to Pricewaterhouse Research, the consumers are willing to pay, surprisingly, 16% or more for personalized experiences. Therefore, owning the first-party data is vital because everybody wants to own data. You do want to own data because that's, your, that's yours um, as, you know, Caleb mentioned earlier about Amazon, uh, where as a vendor in Amazon, you, you, you cannot own the data. It's not ownable. It's all Amazon. And so first party data ownership, it is vital in the success of the long term journey of personalization. And also it does provide the value of retention. Um, according to McKenzie, this suggests uh, personalization programs can cut marketing and sales cost by as much as 20%. So this, this is bringing customers back to site with relevant targeted one-to-one -one communications in a hugely effective and cost-efficient way to increase conversion rates 
and revenue generated from email. This is all measurable. And timing is critical because now we've seen a lot of reports from Google and Apple have intensified the, current, the urgency to reduce reliance on cookie-dependent acquisition tactics. And so with increased investment in first-party data to own channels and personalize customer experiences is uh, imperative in this journey. All right, Diane, thank you very much. So Mark Miller, I wanted to bring you into the conversation at this point. Uh, we've talked about the business case uh, for personalization and, and whether consumers actually want it or not, uh, the, some of the challenges in implementing it, but also some examples of brands who are doing it really well. Uh, and kind of where we're going with this thing, uh, kind of given all of that, um, what, what's the call to action for leaders uh, when it comes to personalization? What kind of questions should they be taking back to their organizations? What are some of the conversation starters? Yeah, I would say that, you know, all brands have to grapple with the reality that personalization is essentially becoming the standard. So we have a saying here at JD Power that a good experience anywhere creates expectations everywhere. And so, as we mentioned in the examples, there are plenty of good experiences that are happening, especially on the sales and customer acquisition and retention in terms of personalized offers, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that if we understand that reality, that uh, expectations are being formed outside your industry all leaders really need to invest time, effort, energy, and appropriate finances into personalization for all the reasons that Diane and Caleb and you referred to during our conversation. So that, that would be number one, get that mindset around that personalization is becoming something that just has to happen. I would challenge the, um, not the status quo, but you know the reality is, is that personalization, there's a lot of stats around customer acquisition. So we look closely at that, of course, here at JD Power, but we also look uh, very closely at the service experience. And so I would say if you want to um, compete at all, personalization on the acquisition side has to be in place. If you want to compete and win and ultimately reduce customer effort, I would challenge leadership to think about personalization across the entire journey and across all channels. So there is tremendous potential in reducing friction of the post-sale service experience through application of these technologies to make the uh, return uh, aspects of uh, your interaction much, much cleaner. So I would say go back to your organization and take a hard look at your core capabilities. You need that from a tech perspective do an assessment there, but make sure that you're including the service elements as well. And there is tech that's available to help augment the front end with back end, but you also need the personnel, as Caleb mentioned, it's, you know, these things are not quite so intuitive that just any smart person off the street could do it. But having this intentionality towards the service experience, and of course, you know, it wouldn't be complete without your ability to measure. So, it's fine to have goals, it's fine to have capabilities, but to refine the experience and really create what we call the, these five elements of a great customer experience involves being seamless, fast and easy, proactive, relevant, and personal. That concept has to carry over to this 
post-sale service experience. And if you can do that, you can build a significant moat around your business and make it hard for your competitors to get in because you'll have so many loyal customers who uh, love to do business with you because it's easy. Yeah, Mark, it's a great way to wrap it up. Um, so to learn more about our practice here at JD Power, please visit us on the web at jdpower.com slash business. And Mark, Diane, and Caleb, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. It was great. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. And we want to thank our listeners as well for joining us, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>